0: There was a movie that came out some time ago. Um, I don't know that I I went out and saw this. I know I saw part of it on TV. Uh, I I was going to get a clip of it and bring it in, but apparently it was cleaned up for TV because there's some things in it that just wasn't real good for church. So it was a a funny clip. I don't know why they always got to do that. They got to just put one or two words. You just just don't want to have in your life at all, let alone in church. But there was a movie called The Replacements. Anybody remember that one? It was a story about a... Uh, football team, I guess the main players had gone on strike or something like that, and they had to go out and they had to get some other players in. So they brought these other, other folks in, and there was a scene there where the coach was taking on all these guys they had pulled off of the lots at Walmart and grocery stores and so forth, and they brought them in it, on in trying to make a team out of them. And so he was trying to talk to them about their fears and their fears that they would have on the field of play. Because this is the first time they're going to be taking the field as professional football players. And they're going to be facing a crowd. They're going to be facing people cheering. They're going to be facing the other, other folks on the other side. And it's a big stage. And they've never been in anything like this before. And so he was trying to get them to talk about the fears they would have in there. He says, do any of you guys have any fears? You're taking the field for the first time. Do you have some fears about going out there? The room was quiet. No one said a thing. And the coach knew he, he needed to get him talking. So he's trying to pull it out of him and says, guys, it's, it's okay for you to be afraid of things and to talk about This is the place to do it. Do you have any fears at all? Still silent. More, he tried to pull it out of him. Finally, this big lineman in the, in the room, he stopped and said, he said, um, you, probably some of you, I was thinking about this. Some of you can relate to this. I'm afraid of spiders. <laughs> and then somebody else said, oh, I'm afraid of them too. And then somebody else came up and said, Oh, when they crawl out and they get up on your arm, oh, he says, and they all start talking about their fear of spiders. And the coach is just frustrated as can be because this is not what he wants them to talk about. And so he says, Well, okay, okay can we get off the spiders here for the. Is, are you afraid of anything on the field? Silence. No one said anything. And finally somebody stood up and said, Bees. He's afraid of bees on the field. Maybe he landed on one at some time. I don't don't know. And then somebody else said, yeah, I'm afraid of bees too. And so finally the coach said, can we get off the insects? Are you afraid of anything on the field? And and the one player in the back of the room, he said, quicksand. (laughs) You know, the the coach is about ready to get real frustrated here at this one. And so no one knows what he means. We mean quicksand. And so they're asking the coach, what's quicksand mean? He says, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? He's frustrated. He doesn't know what's going on. And so they turn around to the guy, and he, he says, what's quicksand? He says, well, when you're out there in the field, and something, bad happens and, something bad happens, and then something else bad happens, and then something else bad happens, and then something else bad happens, he said, it's like you're in quicksand, and pretty soon you can't see the top. Finally, the coach got where he wanted to get with him. <laughs> but he was trying to get after them on the fears they would have on the field and everyone kept giving him replacements replacements we're looking at a story here today 1st Samuel chapter 4 we keep a record of these kind of things I used to go back and check out when the last time was we we looked it has been a long time since we've been in 1st Samuel chapter 4 so it's good that we're back in here we were in 1st Samuel chapter 3 last time and we saw that the setting in Israel is that God hadn't said a whole lot It said the word of God was rare in those days. And so we started this section off by saying, What do you do when it seems like God is silent? What do you do when it seems like God is not speaking to you, hasn't said anything to you? What do you do? We saw that Samuel heard in the middle of the night, somewhere in the middle of the night, somewhere between the time when the lamp was lit and the time the lamp was put out. And he heard the voice call, Samuel, Samuel. And he got up and he went to Eli thinking Eli had called him Eli, Eli said I didn't call you go back to bed went back to bed Samuel, Samuel got up, went to Eli again I didn't call you go back to bed. third time Samuel Samuel he got up, went over to Eli again I didn't call you but finally Eli gets the idea that God's calling him and he says the next time say speak Lord for your servant hears and so he went back down he lied down and the Lord said, Samuel, Samuel and Samuel says, speak Lord. For your servant hears. And there's a concept there. That is true throughout the whole word. Until you respond to what God has said to you. God does not say more. Why should he? If we don't handle what it is that he has said to us up to now. Why should God speak anything more? And we looked at some of the examples. We saw Moses. Moses was hearing from God to become the deliverer for Israel. Forty years later. He's at the burning bush. And what is God speaking to him about? Being a deliverer for Israel. How has it not changed in 40 years? Because he didn't listen. Until you respond to what God is telling you to do, there's really no point in God giving you more. Because if you won't respond to what he has already said, why would you respond to something else? Paul was stopped on the road to Damascus. What did God deal with him about? Paul. Why are you persecuting me? He said, it's hard for you to kick against the goats, which means God has been leading him, dealing with him all this while, and he keeps going against what God is saying. And so it comes down to this, but he's still saying the same thing. And once Paul answered, once Samuel answered, once Moses answered, then the words from God kept coming. But you need to answer. You need to speak. In 1 Samuel chapter 4, we're going to see that we're still in the same setting. The word of God was rare in those days. These folks don't expect to hear from God. We said that there are three different ways. Last week, we're just reviewing again. There are three different ways you can respond when God doesn't seem to be speaking to you. First off, you can become, you can, apathy can set in. I don't care if God ever speaks to me again. I don't, I don't need to hear from God. You can become very apathetic about it. Another one is urgency. You can get very urgent, and you begin to harass God. Do you know that as a Christian, you can harass God? God, I need you to speak to me. God, I need you to speak to me. God, I need you to speak to me. It's just like when your kids come in and say, Mom, I want the brownies. Mom, I want the brownies. Mom, can I have a brownie? Mom, can I have a brownie? Mom, can I have a brownie? Can I have a brownie now? Can I have a brownie now? Can Can I have a brownie before dinner? Can I have a brownie during dinner? Can I have a brownie after dinner? What are we doing? We're harassing. Does it get you anywhere? No. In trouble. But that's about it. Harassment doesn't work, but we harass God. Third place is a, certain, a place of certainty. In faith you do what he last told you to do. And that's what we need to, to get to. But here it is in 1 Samuel chapter 4. Remember the setting in 1 Samuel chapter 3. The word of God was rare in those days. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Yep, he's the one who did it. I thought it was the, Phil- I thought it was the Philistines who defeated them. But they said, Why has the Lord defeated us before the Philistines? Most times people got... People blame God for things that he didn't really have any part of. Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. Now, if you are not hearing from God to begin with, remember First Samuel chapter 3, the word of God was rare in those days. If you're not hearing from God to begin with, And Israel here is defeated in battle. If you are not hearing from God, you will come up with stupid questions. You go out there and you find people who are not born again. And you ask them questions. They will give you some stupid questions about God. Won't they? People go out there and they say there are no stupid questions. They obviously have not met people. I think anybody who says that has not met people. How many of you all know people have asked some stupid questions? Sure they do. Stupid questions are questions that are not founded on knowledge. You can ask a question that's not founded on knowledge and it'll be pretty stupid. But when you ask a question that's founded on knowledge to go after more knowledge, that's a good question. Why has the Lord defeated us today from before the Philistines? What do you mean the Lord has defeated you? What, what about this story says that the Lord defeated them? They have fallen into idolatry. They've got the, the worship of Baals, a couple other idols that are out there. Yeah, they're worshiping God, but they're also worshiping all these other things. They had priests that were involved in all kinds of immorality, bringing it into the house of God. And you're saying the Lord defeated you? Why has the Lord defeated us? So here's what we're going to do. We're not hearing from God. We lost in battle. Here's what we'll do. We'll go get the Ark of the Covenant. And we'll bring it in. If you are not hearing from God, any idea you come up with is probably stupid. Just understand that. Any idea that you come up with, if you are not hearing from God, is probably stupid. Do people do stupid things? Boy, they sure do. Just go up on YouTube. Because not only do people do stupid things, they put it up there for the world to see. I'd hide some of that stuff. I just, you know. If I did something stupid like that, I don't think I'd want it to be, be out there. Well, you we put in your outline, when you're absent of the knowledge of God or just don't know what God says about a thing, you will probably ask a pretty stupid question. Don't pretend to know and speak for or about God. But people do it all the time. we got unsaved people who don't know what the Bible says, don't know what the Word says. Why does God allow this? Well, you fool? Read the Bible. He doesn't allow that at all. Why are you even thinking that God's involved with it? It's people that are that are out there doing it. People that are are messing things up. God lets people do stupid things. He'll he'll warn them and say, Hey, you know, don't be doing it. Don't be going in that way. But, you know, we we do our own thing. All right, let's go on back over here. Trying to move this stuff down with one hand is Not working out as well as it should. So anyway, without God, your ideas are bad. No matter how good they may seem at the time, just because you get an idea or think a thought doesn't mean that God put it there. And that's what we're going to see with these folks. They get this idea. Let's bring the ark into the battle. Has God anywhere in his word said, when you go into battle, bring my ark? Has the prophet been consulted on this? No. Now, in the chapter before, we saw that Samuel... The knowledge of him, the news about Samuel that he heard from God—he was getting words from God. This was going throughout all all the land. Well, why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask him to go ask God what's going on? But they don't. Now, I didn't put this in your outline. You can put it in yours if you want to. You can write it in there, but it didn't—it uh, didn't get it in. Didn't have room to put it in there. When people do not hear from God, they bring in the replacements. There are three replacements that people bring in from God. First off. They, they want to get something that they act like godly people. They act, they have actions that are, are that way. The Pharisees in Jesus' day, what did they do? They acted like they heard from God. Were they ever hearing from God? Never heard from God at all. Didn't know what God's voice was. Couldn't even recognize His Son when He showed up. But they acted like they knew what they were doing, they acted like they knew the Word, they acted like they knew God. They acted like they heard from God. People will put on an act if they are not hearing from God. Beside an act, they're going to look like it. What did the Pharisees wear? Nice long robes. These are religious robes. These are robes that only people of renown, rabbis, teachers, the only ones who wear these robes. Not you guys can't wear these robes. When we rode the Philippines. They, uh, they they came over and they brought us a shirt and brought me a shirt, and they said this is a pastor shirt, and it actually apparently it was only pastors were to wear those shirts. <laughs> I still have it hanging up in my closet. Um, I don't wear it here because we're not in the Philippines. <laughs> but if you're in the Philippines, if you're a pastor and you're up to you're supposed to wear this shirt. It looks kind of normal. It doesn't look really weird, but that apparently they gave it to me and said this is a pastor shirt. Okay, you got to look the part. So if we can't hear from God, then we're going to look like we hear from God. We're going to act like we hear from God. Or here's the other one. We're going to sound like we hear from God. We're going to act like, we're going to look like, we're going to sound like. How do you sound like you hear from God? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, I hear that. I've got to have the, the words. We've got to have the actions. We're trying to look like, I'm hearing from God. Of course, there's also the people who change the way they talk. And God goes from a one-syllable word to a two-syllable word. You know how that is. <laughs> because this is godly. Or we begin to speak in King James English. That's another way. You know, We're going to act like, we're going to look like, we're going to sound like. We're from God. Because we don't have the genuine thing. If you don't, don't genuinely hear from God, then you're going to put these other things on so that you can act like it, look like it, or sound like it. If you look at those initials, ALS, that's a disease. It's a debilitating disease. Folks, this will debilitate you in your Christian walk. People don't need to be around someone who acts like, looks like, or sounds like. They need to be around someone who is. And it's our job, folks, to hear from God. And to bring God's word to the people that are are around. We've got preachers who want to preach what brings excitement. What brings in offerings. Not the word that brings stability and strength. But you need to have stability. You need to have strength. You're going to see this happen in this story. Worship teams focus more on musicians and music. Instead of anointing and worship. Thank God for our worship team. Now, you can have good musicians. We have good musicians. Glory, good musicians doesn't mean you're missing God. But if you pursue the the musical aspect and not the anointing, then it becomes empty. Sometimes we get into a place where we feel like the Spirit of God is always spontaneous. And if I'm hearing from God, then I get something from God now. Only now. Folks, God is a planner. Go back into the Word of God. When did God give Noah the plans for the boat? About 100 years before he needed it, the boat was finished. That's a long time. When did God give Moses the plan for the tabernacle? Before it was built. God planned out all sorts of stuff. When did God plan for Moses to become the deliverer? Before he was born. We don't necessarily serve a spontaneous God. We serve a God who's had your life planned before the foundation of the earth was, was laid. That's not spontaneous. You can get what God wants to do a week from now, two weeks from now, and get yourself ready to hear what it is you're supposed to do. God will do that. A few uh, few weeks back, we were looking at Joseph. Remember the dream he got? The dream he got The only dream in the book, in the book of Genesis that Joseph doesn't interpret is a dream he received. And that dream was not about him taking power. It was about what he is to do when he takes power. And God gave him 17 years or probably a little bit more, actually more than that, to get himself ready. Because the dream was 11 sons come and bow down to him. But when he was first put in power, after a couple of years, seven years he had the uh, planning, and then two years before the the brothers came over, a year or two before the brothers came over, only ten came. It wasn't until after that that he demanded that the eleventh come. Because God dealt with him for all these years. I need you to do what needs to be done to get those brothers to be reinstated and ready. Because even when they were before his presence, what did they argue about? It's because of what we did to Joseph. They were still living under that. And Joseph had to help bring them out. So the dream came to him all those years before. Not to tell him what he would become. But to get him ready to do what he needed to do. And when he was in place, he was ready. He knew exactly how to deal with the brothers. Even though it tortured him, he knew exactly what to do. God plans things. And people who don't Understand that part about God if it's always spontaneous. Sometimes we think, well, the only thing that's spiritual is that the preacher gets up and before he starts, well, I was going to preach on this, but God changed it. My first, my first thought of that is, well, then you should have been ready with the right thing to begin with. That's my thought. You should have been ready with the right thing to begin with. Now, once in a while, God will pull that out for you. I'm just going to see if you want to stay sharp. We're going to do that one, but not right now. And Because there's a reliance that you have on him. But that sure shouldn't be an every week thing. Worship leaders coming out. Boy, we were going to sing these five songs, but instead we we're going to sing these eight. Well, maybe you should have heard that before. Now, there's times you're, 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 you're moving, you're going, and God says, go into this direction. That's fine. That's all right. But most of the time, folks, you should be ready. You know, what would happen if you were on your job and you were had a schedule, eight to five, and you showed up at nine? How come you're here at nine? Well, I was on my way here, but, you know, I just sort of, I got the impression that you didn't really want me here at eight. You wanted me here at nine. No, I wanted you here at eight. That's why we wrote the schedule up for eight o'clock. You don't do that too, too long, do you? Anyway, replacements. Here's a replacement that they did. We're going to bring the ark in. They can't get the presence of God. They can't get the voice of God. Let's get the ark. So the people sent to Shiloh. That they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant, Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that they shook the earth. Now, to most people, this is God. To most people, this is very God. Oh, look, at God is moving. Look how excited they are. I put this in your outline. You can fill this in if you want. Animation to some is more real than confirmation. Animation to some is more real than confirmation. But we need to get to a place in our walk where we don't need to see things animated. I need to see things confirmed in my spirit. Then I know this is the way that we're supposed to go. I get that voice down the inside that says, yeah, that's the way you're going to go. That's what you need to do instead of the animation. The things that excite over the things that stabilize. You look around at the Christians you know, the people who get excited the most are generally the least stable. I'm not saying it's bad to get excited. Get excited at church. That's all right. But you're going to find people, they're always excited, and then they're down in the dumps. And then they're excited, and then they're down in the dumps. They have no stability. God wants you to be stable. He wants you to be... Well, how is God is the same yesterday today and forever why are we different today and tomorrow if god is the same yesterday today and forever shouldn't we be we've got to look for more of that steadiness that god has verse six now when the philistines heard the noise of the shout they said what does this sound of this great what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the hebrews mean then they understood the ark of the lord had come into the camp so the philistines were afraid they said, God has come into the camp, and they said, Woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us, we will we will deliver who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews, as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, and there fell Israel, 30,000 foot soldiers. Also, the Ark of God was captured, and the two sons Eli, of Eli, Hophni, and Phineas, died. They went down there with the Ark, and they died. So this didn't really work out all that good. They brought the Ark in to try and get themselves excited, and it did. But it also motivated the Philistines, who said, we better stand up like men because we are going down. And so they fought with even more than they would have before. And they lost the battle, they lost the ark The priest died Then a man of Benjamin ran From the battle line that day And came to Shiloh with his clothes torn And dirt on his head Now when he came, there was Eli Sitting on a seat by the wayside Watching for his heart troubled the, For his heart trembled For the ark of God He's, He kind of knew this shouldn't happen The ark shouldn't go out But he didn't say anything That's, that's Eli's way Didn't say anything to his sons when they were in sin. Didn't say anything about this. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. And the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, What happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. And there was a great slaughter among the people. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phineas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. Then it happened, when he made mention of the ark of God, that Eli fell off the seat backward by the gate, by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died, for the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. Verse nineteen. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife was with child due to be delivered, and when she heard the news that the Ark of God was captured, and that her father in law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death the woman who stood by her said to her, Do not fear for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying the glory has departed from Israel. Now look at the reasons. Because the Ark of God has been captured, and because of her father in law and her husband. And, he, she, and she said, just um, lost my spot there. <laughs> and she said, the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. Well, why did the glory of God depart from Israel? Because they stopped worshiping Him truly. Because they brought in worship to the Baals. They brought in worship to the Astras, They brought in all this false worship instead of doing what they were supposed to do. And instead of listening to God, to what He had said to do, they stopped listening. And God stopped speaking. She's clueless. She thinks that the glory has departed because her husband died. Eli, the priest died and because the ark was captured. But that's not really the reason, is it? The reason is something completely different. If they were hearing from God, would God have said that? How many of y'all believe that the word of God sent prophets and they said, you have left the worship of God? Yeah, but they didn't listen to it, did they? If they didn't listen to that, why should God tell them anything more? There's no reason to tell them anything more. You haven't listened to what we told you to do so far. So until they start listening to that, until they start doing what the word of God said to do, there's no reason to go on. Why should God give you more word when you haven't done what he said to do? But a lot of times this is what we want. I want God to give me more. Well, I didn't really like that last word that you gave me. Can you give me another one? Maybe the next one will be a little bit better. Maybe I'll like that one a little bit more. Verse 1 of chapter 6. Now the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. Seven months they kept this thing. You'll be surprised they kept it seven months when you see what happened. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners saying, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send uh, send it to its place. So they said, if you send away... What, did we did we uh, cut off some of... Yeah. See, my, my thing is jumping all over me because it doesn't like... Be doing this one-handed. Where do we leave off at? Oh, I skipped over chapter 5. See, I went down too far. Verse 1 of chapter 5. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the temple of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. If you don't know what to do with the things of God, don't put them by your idols. It's not a good place for it to go. The idol ends up falling down and worshiping. So they had to go in there and help the idol out. Pick the idol up. Idol had fallen down to worship. The head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left on it. Oh, that broke him. So, therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor any who come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of the Dagon in Ashdod to this day. So, can you imagine that? They have a memorial to this. Why don't we step there, Daddy? Well, we captured the Ark of the Covenant from Israel, and when we put it in here, our God fell down and bowed down to their God, and his head and his palms were broken off, and they were here, so we don't step on that. But doesn't that mean that their God is greater than our God? No, that's not what it means at all. Shut up and come on in and worship Dagon. But the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod, and he ravaged them and and struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. And when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, The ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is harsh toward us, and Dagon our God. He's picking on us, and he's picking on our, our God. It's not right. He shouldn't be doing it. Therefore they sent and gathered to themselves all the lords of the Philistines and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? That's what people ought to be asking about us. What shall we do with them Christians? No matter what we try and do, they just keep prospering. I think the Egyptians asked that about the the Israelites. What can we do about them? They just keep multiplying. Therefore they sent and gathered to themselves all the lords of the Philistines and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, Let the ark of of the God of Israel, be carried away to Gath. So they carried the ark of God of Israel away. So it was, after they had carried away, that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction, and he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and tumors broke out on them. Therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron. So it was, as the ark of God came to Ekron, that the Ekronites cried out, they said, They have brought the ark of God of Israel to us, to kill us and our people. Now here's what was going on. We have it at Ashdod, it's not working out here, we're, we're having tumors, our, our God keeps bowing down, he's been broken a couple of times, we, we, need, to, we need to get rid of this ark. We'll send it over here to, to Gath. And so they send it over to them, and they're saying, we're not superstitious, I don't know what's wrong with you people. We'll take that thing, it's not going to hurt us, you guys are just weak, you just you guys are... And when they bring it on in, and then the same things happen to them, they said, man, this is bad news. But word gets around. It's not like going to two of the lords of the Philistines, and they've all had trouble. And so they sent it to the third. And they, they come out and said, no, 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 no. We don't know what that thing is, but we don't want it in our place. You keep it out. So now you've got the ark of God. No one wants it. What are you going to do with it? So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, send away the ark of God of Israel. And let it go back to its own place so that it does not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. And the men who, who uh, did not die were stricken with tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. So it was, it was bad news. This is not a place to be. Now, the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners saying, Do we already read that? I am. It's just jumping all over me here. I apologize for this, folks. I guess it's more of a two-handed operation. Verse 13. Now the people of Bathshemesh Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley and they lifted their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. Now we've, we we skipped there. Where did I where did I leave off at? I thought I saw 12 up on there so I jumped over to 12. Man, I'll tell you what. This is We're going to get that microphone fixed for next week, right? Verse 3, so they said, if you send away the ark of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return it to him for a trespass offering, then you will be healed. Well, that's okay. Thank you. <laughs> so they said, if you send away the ark of God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return it to him with a trespass offering, then you will be healed and it will be known to you why his hand has been, is not removed from you. Then they said, what is the trespass offering? What shall we return to him? They answered, five golden tumors and five golden rats. Did you ever read that in the Word of God? (laughs) Where in the Word of God did it say the trespass offering was five golden tumors and five golden rats? Now, it hasn't mentioned rats, but apparently rats were a problem that came with the ark as well and the tumors. And so they decided to make five golden ones of each and send them along. Where did they get that from? Uh, As far as I know, they don't get it from the Bible. So five golden tumors and five golden rats according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. Not according to the word of God, but according to the number of the lords. we got five lords, so each of us is going to make a golden tumor and a golden rat. If you were a god, would you want a golden tumor and a golden rat as a sacrifice? <laughs> For the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. Therefore, you shall make images of your tumors and images of your rats that ravage the land, and you shall give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from you, from your gods, And from your land. Here's a thought. If your gods are having a problem with the God. Why don't you serve him? That's just a thought. Why then do you harden your hearts. As the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts. When he did mighty things among them. Did they not let the people go. That they might depart. Now therefore make a new cart. Take two milk cows. Which had never been yoked. And hitch the cows to the cart. And take their calves home. Away from them. Then take the ark of the Lord. And set it on the cart. And put the articles of gold, which you are returning, to him as a trespass offering in a chest by its side. Then send it away and let it go. And watch, if it goes up the road to its own territory, to Beth Shemesh, then he has done us this great evil. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by chance. So here's the idea what we're going to do. We're going to take some cows that are milking, which means they have calves. We're going to separate them from their calves. We're going to put them on this. They've never been yoked, so they don't know what a yoke is. And we're going to have them carry this cart up there. Now, if you you never had a cow who's been yoked before, how do you think they're going to respond to it? If you've got a dog, how do they respond to the collar the first time you put it on them? And not well. It's, it's not good. If they're a mom cow and they have a calf, where are they going to try and go to? Where the where the baby is, where the calf is. So they're, putting, they're kind of stacking the deck. We're going to make. This cow probably want to come back and we think it's going to come back and when it comes back We can then say ah, it wasn't God <laughs> Because if it was God it would have gone on back home And so they get the five lords of the philistines and they're going to follow this thing and see where it goes Then the men did as so and they took two milk cows and hitched them to the cart and Shut up their calves at home So they're hearing their calves because the calves are without the mom what are they going to do? And they set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest with the golden rats and the images of the tumors and the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh and went along the highway, lowing as they went, did not turn aside to the right hand or the left. And the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. So they followed them the whole way to see what's going on. Let's see what happens to this thing. Now, the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. And they lifted their eyes and they saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. Then the cart came into the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stood there. A large stone was there, so they split the wood of the cart and offered the cows as a burnt offering. Thank you, cows, for bringing the, ha- the, the ark home. Now we're going to kill you. <laughs> Levites took down the ark of the Lord, and the chest that was in it, in which were the articles of gold, and put them on a large stone. And the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices the same day to the Lord. So when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. These are the golden tumors which the Philistines returned as a trespass offering to the Lord. One for Ashdod, one for Gaza, one for Ashkelon, one for Gath, one for Ekron, and the golden rats according to the number of the cities of the Philistines belonging to the five lords. Both fortified cities and country villages, even as far as the large stone of Abel, on which they set the ark of the Lord, which some remains to this day in the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh. Then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. You would think, boy, we're so happy. The Ark of God has come home, and you're going to open up the Ark that you know you're not supposed to do. There might be some things in the law that they may have wondered about. But how many of you all know, they were all real clear, do not look into the Ark. Don't do it. I mean, did they not watch Raiders of the Lost Ark? <laughs> that should have just put it all, all to rest right there. I, I don't know. Then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they looked into the ark of the Lord. He struck 50,000 and 70 men of the temple. And the people lamented because the Lord had struck the people with a great slaughter. And the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom shall it go up from us? And to whom shall it go up from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of Kyrgyz, saying, The Philistines have brought back the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up with you. <laughs> we don't want it. The Philistines didn't want it. They don't want it. Why? Because if you treat the things of God wrong, it's not going to help you. Treat the things of God the way God says. People who take the word of God and they make it say what they want to say, it's not good. It's not going to go good for you. People who want to be prophets, people who want to be teachers, people who want to be whatever in service to God and don't bring the true word Who don't bring what the Word of God says. It's not going to go good for you. There's going to be problems. We just don't need to be doing that. The Word of God is tough. It's hard. The Word of God condemns sin. We're living in a day and age now. We don't like to condemn sin. We'd rather have other things going on. We'd rather, you know, let's just make it palatable for everybody. Just because you... Somebody put up a thing on, on Facebook. Apparently Oprah Winfrey. I didn't realize this about her but she apparently has a religion that she promotes or 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 did and um apparently it's it's a bit bit against christianity and uh, they put up some kind of a show she had on and that she was arguing with the people in there that jesus is not the only way and um all sorts of stuff and i I don't know a whole lot about oprah but it's not a good thing to be doing don't be messing with stuff like that god said how many ways are there to get to heaven One. one way jesus said i am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by? Me. So it's not that we are narrow-minded. God is. We're we're narrow-minded. It's not that, that, that we are. We serve a God who is. God says there's one way. If he truly is God, he can make the way. We don't make the way. He does. Don't be sending in any kind of replacements. If being a good person is a replacement, but it's not going to work for you. People out there, they want, well, I'm a good person. Good. Great. Won't help you. You got to get to heaven through Jesus Christ. The word of God condemns sin. But thank God we've all been sinners. There's forgiveness for us. We can get out of it. Here's the thing we need to do, folks. If God is silent... If we're here in a time when God is silent. And when God is silent, God seems to be silent. How many of y'all know you've gone through some tough times like these guys do? You've had some battles. You've had some things you've got to fight. What are you going to do when you're in the midst of a battle and you don't seem to get anything new from God on what you're supposed to do? Here's the thing you do. First off, keep doing what he said last. Keep doing what God said to do. Whatever he last said to do, whatever his last orders were, keep doing Them. Do you know that most attacks that come from the enemy are to try and get you to stop doing what God has had you doing? That's what He wants to try. He wants to get you to stop doing it. If He can get you to stop doing it, He's won. So if God has not told you anything new and you're in a battle, what should you do? Exactly what He said to do before. Just don't stop. We are called soldiers. Right? Paul talks about being good soldiers. He talks about the word of God or the, the, the uh, church of God like an army. And we, we may not have all served in the army, but we can all relate to it. We watched movies. Right? What happens to a soldier who is told to guard a post and leaves that post? That's not good. It will not go well. Why did you leave? Well, I was here for eight hours. I was here eight hours straight, and no one came to relieve me really? (laughs) I don't care if you're here 24 hours straight. You don't go until somebody comes. That's what you do. Keep doing what God said to do. Whatever it might be. It doesn't have to just necessarily be a ministry thing. When Jesus gave the parable, the first parable he gave, the parable of the seeds, and the seeds sprang up, the enemy came to get the seed. And the way that you kept the seed... Was it you understood the seed? You did the seed. You did what the word of God taught you to do. And it become rooted on the inside of you. He doesn't want it to become rooted. The devil will send things, battles, distractions, to try and get you to stop doing the word that you learned. Because if you don't do the word that you learned, you will forget it. And you won't do it. And he's had success. You ever had a, a time you listened to a, a message, MP3 somewhere, read something, saw something on TV, something here. God showed you, spoke in your spirit, gave you a truth. And as soon as you got that truth, it seemed like everything broke out. Pe- people, jobs, money, all sorts of stuff came. Problems. Problems. Before long, you forgot The word that he gave you, and you weren't going after it. Remember in the parable, the seed came to some. Some of them got scorched. Some of them got choked out by thorns, cares of this life. He's going to send these things because not only does he want to stop you from doing the ministry that God has you in, he wants you to stop doing the word that God is teaching you. But God wants you to learn that word, get that word working, and move on to the next. And get that word working and move on to the next and get that word working and move on to the next and get that word working. But if I don't listen and do the new word, the new understanding of the word of God that he gave me, why is he going to give me more? I got to do something with it. Keep doing what he said last, keep learning and doing his word. If you feel like God's not speaking to you, keep learning and doing his word because he sent us his word. His word is always here. You can keep learning it. And you can keep doing it. Learn more. Do more. Then learn some more. And do some more. Learn some more. And do some more. Here's number three. That may be all you need. It may be all you need. You may not ever need another word from God. To tell you to do anything different. Than what he spoke to you already. And what his word teaches you to do. That may be all you ever need. Stop thinking Something is wrong with you if you don't get more. You don't have to get any more. You got your hands full just doing the Word of God. You got your hands full doing the assignment that God gave you. Do that assignment. What's the assignment he gave you? Well, he hasn't given me one in a while. What's the last one he gave you? Do it. Do that assignment. Here's number four. Don't follow your own brilliant ideas. We haven't heard from God in a while. We want to come, I, I could do this. I could do this for God. Don't follow your own brilliant ideas. Do what he says to do. If he hasn't given you release on the thing that you're supposed to be doing, stay with it. Here's another one. Don't change for change's sake. Don't just feel like, well, I need a change. Why do you need a change? Why is it that you need a change? Well, I just need one. Why? Well, because I do. I mean, there's no real reason for it. If you run into people and they say, "I just need to change," why? Well, I've been doing this for a while. How long did Moses lead the children of Israel? Forty years. Forty would have gone longer, except he kind of bailed out. Would have been would have been longer. Keep doing what God says to do. You know who's trying to make you bored and dissatisfied? It isn't God. You're giving into the hand of the enemy. Well, I just don't feel like... Stop feeling. What does the Word of God tell you to do? Do it. Well, I just don't feel... Stop the feeling part. This is what messes everybody up. Well, I just don't feel I'm forgiven. So, you are. Well, I just don't feel joyful. So, you are. Word of God says He's filled us with joy. He's filled us with His love. Just, Father God, I thank you that I have the joy of God on the inside of me. I I don't feel very joyful right now, but I thank you that the joy of God is there. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had days where you didn't feel like a man? You ever had days you didn't feel like a woman? Mm -hmm. It didn't stop you from being one, did it? Mm -hmm. Have you ever had days you didn't feel like you were an adult? It doesn't stop you from being that. Mm -hmm. Do you ever had days you didn't feel married? You think that excuse is going to work? Well, I didn't feel married today. Uh-huh. Sure. Okay. That won't work so well. No. Stop going by your feelings. This is what gets people in trouble. Go with what the Word of God has said. Stop going with that. Stop having to get emotionally charged up like the Israelites had to do when they brought the Ark of God into the camp. And they all got excited. How much did it do for them? They didn't win and they lost the Ark. It didn't, uh, didn't work out so well. There's a story. Anybody ever heard the story of Calvin Pete? Is that a new story for anybody? Calvin Pete grew up in a farm country of central Florida. Made their living picking vegetables. I didn't help them out with that. You, know, you pick vegetables for people who eat vegetables. But anyway, that's what they did. But his goal was he wanted to become a professional golfer. So he just felt like he, down in his spirit, he was a Christian. There was a, a born-again family. They were Christians. They were serving God. Down in his spirit, he said he felt like he was become more than a vegetable picker. And he had a love for golf. And he felt like, I, I think God wants me to become a professional golfer. But here was the problem. He had a left arm that wouldn't extend all the way. Because when he was young, it broke. His elbow broke. And he couldn't get a full extension in it. And so it, it hindered him in the game. His story was that in the eighth grade, Calvin found it necessary to drop out of school and go into the fields. And help his family earn a living. He had to do all that hard labor instead of learning. Instead of being in school like everybody else was. The story goes on. Calvin not only had a disadvantage of being golf, uh, beginning golf at a late age because he was working for all that time. He had to play with a left arm that wouldn't straighten all the way. All the way. But Calvin compensated for that disability, and within six months, he was shooting below 80. Six months of starting his his golf, he was shooting below 80. How many golfers do we have? A couple golfers out there. That's good, right? Below 80? Eighteen months later, he was shooting below par and joined the mini tour in, in Florida in the year 1972. In 1975, he qualified for the PGA Tour the oldest rookie ever at age 35. He won the Greater Milwaukee Open in 1979 and again in 1982 when he became the winningest golfer on the tour. Calvin's persistence, persistent belief that God had a plan for his life enabled him to persevere without giving up. This is a quote from, from Calvin. It's been a long road from the fields to the fairways. One a lot of people said was impossible, but you see, I knew something maybe they didn't, that God had a plan for me but I had to be willing to work at it. When you work hard and pray hard, you have a combination that can take you places you've never imagined. It's taking me from green beans to putting green and far, far beyond. Listen to what God has spoken to you. Listen to what His Word has exhorted you to do. Do what you know to do. Do what He has written you to do, and stay doing it. Don't Be deterred. Don't be distracted by other things. Don't be distracted by boredom. Don't be distracted by these things. Remember that we're getting into Joseph. The mundane. How that can become a problem. problem? But it shouldn't be. The greatest people in the Bible. Were trained up for their great days. Because of the mundane life they lived. We spent much time on that. Don't let that. Pull you off. Keep yourself sharp. What has God spoken to you already? What has he said to you in his word? Are you doing those things? If you continue to do those things, God will speak to you more. The more that you do of what God says, the more God will speak to you. His words need to become valuable to you. Then to become the most important thing. The most important thing. So what has God said to you and are you doing it or has something else kept you out? What of the word of God do you know to do? Are you still doing? Are you still doing? I told you this. Some of my healing stories, some of them involve. You know, we, we all want to be healed because somebody came over and lay hands on us and we walked out of the building. And it's all gone. And we never have any problem with it. Never have any fight. But you know what? There's a whole lot of times, at least in my life, and I've heard from other people as well, where God simply says, do this. And he speaks to you to something to do. Some of you folks are, all right, you've got some chronic problems. You've got some pains in some, some places. You've got headaches. You've got body aches. You've got whatever things. How many of you have things that come up on a regular basis and you seek after God and God tells you something and it doesn't seem like it makes any sense? Do it doesn't matter if it makes any sense at all. Do it because until you do it it ain't going to change it's not going to change. you got to do that thing. I told you my my you know all know I love to run, but I was having trouble running. I was having trouble I gave you some of that story before, and God told me all right, do this and I did that, and then do this, and I did that, and I did this, and i we, we got things going I went to um uh two different doctors one of them didn't seem to have any direction on what to do with it at all the other one did all that they could i mean he, he helped me out on a lot of different things did all that he could we got rid of some of the pain couldn't get rid of all of it and so i stopped doing that and just went on what god had said to do and went on through and went on through and just did exactly what god said to do got myself up the last year i had the, the high point was in june 160 miles in that month went through july just as good as, as, uh, as June was, and then August hit. And August hit, we had vacation, family vacation. We had, uh, we were going away to a ministers' conference that we go to every year. And I, thought, oh, it's going to be tough to do every day those things that I need to do. And I didn't get it done. And by the end of the month, I was barely walking. We were out there on vacation. I was walking around limping. They'll tell you. I was, oh, it was, it was sore. So what do you do? You go back to God and say, God, what do I do? No, I went, I went back and says, Well, God. I know what you told me to do before. I'm going to be like I'm starting from scratch. And I started with exactly the first thing that he said to do, the second thing that he said to do, the third thing that he said to do, the fourth thing that he said to do, and moved our way right on up on on that. And uh, we hit December. December, I almost hit 200 miles. The only reason I didn't was because of Christmas. Doggone. (laughs) Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, couldn't run on those days and messed up some some other things in there and didn't get it done. And in January and February... We had good good mileage in those month, but not quite the 200. This month, as long as I get out to run today, (laughs) and for what's going on Monday or Tuesday, this month I will be over 200 miles for the first time in a a long time. Simply because you do what God says to do. Some of those problems kept me out of running for a long time. Listen to God. He's going to tell you something that makes no sense. He's going to tell you to eat something different. He's going to tell you to, to stretch something or to do something. It doesn't really seem to make a whole lot of sense. But you need to do it. Now, here's the thing. Whatever he's going to tell you to do is going to take some time. We all don't want to put time into it. But it's going to take you some time. Put the time into it. and Stay with it. Every day you treat that word that you got from God, God, this is, this is what you told me to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. How I many of you all have some chronic pain, pains, chronic problems that are affecting your body? Go ahead raise your hand. You guys, listen to God. He's going to speak to you in his word. He's going to speak to you in your spirit. He's going to tell you to eat something different, not just healthier or better. He may say, stay away from this. Don't do that. Don't drink that. Well, well so-and-so is. Don't matter. This is, this is you. Listen to him. And when you do that, he'll give you the next one. There's no sense in giving you step two if you want to do step one. Stay with it. Pick up step two and go to step three and go to step four. Go to step five and keep doing those things that you're supposed to do. I'll tell you what. There's sometimes there are some days I don't feel like going in and doing the stretching and the rolling. That uh, that I know is, is helping my body out. There are still some days You know, I love to run, but there are some days that are not made for running as much as others are. It's uh and you're thinking, I really don't want to go out there. Get... Shut up, Steve. Get out there and run. Get out there and do it. You need to. You need to push yourself. What is God telling you to do? He may be telling you, I want you to spend this time in the Word. I want you to spend this time doing this. I want you to go out and I want you to share your uh, share your joy with other people. There's some good things you can be doing. How many have asked some people that question we told you about last time? Wherever you decided to go to church this this coming Sunday? Easter's coming. Resurrection Sunday. They all know it is Easter. It's called what they know. Where have you decided to go this Easter? Bring them along with you. mean That means something to God? Sure it does. Sure it does. He asked you to do it. He asked you to go out there and to, to minister to that person. To be a light at your job. To be a light in your neighborhood. To be a light where you are. Listen to what he says to do. The goal... Of this whole series we've been on, discerning the voice of God, the whole goal of it is that when you hear God speak, you do it. You don't think twice about it. You just do it. It's just like boot camp in the military. What's the purpose of boot camp? No matter how ridiculous the regress is, if it's made by your superior officer, you do it. and You don't ask questions. And if you ask questions, what happens to you in boot camp? It's not good. This is not good. We've, we've seen movies. If you haven't been there directly, you've seen the movies. It's not good. Don't question God. And most of us never will. The problem is we're not sure it is God. That's why you need to learn the voice of God. My sheep know what? My sheep know my voice. You will know his voice because you are his sheep. Get to the place where you hear it and you respond. Immediately, It'll change your life. You'll overcome a lot of the problems that you're facing. Discouragement won't hold you back. You'll be excited about every day to be alive with God. You'll be looking forward to going to heaven. But you'll be excited about being down here and serving him. Problems won't scare you. Because you're going to expect to hear God speak to you how to deal with those problems. You're not going to be grabbing things like, Well, let's get the ark of God. Let's bring it along with us. No, you're going to hear what God says to do. You're going to be like the Joshuas who say, march around the city six days, one time each. Then the seventh day, do it this way. God had a plan. When they went up against Ai, God had a plan. When David went up against the city, how should we go up against it? Go up against it this way. God had a plan. Brought about success. God has a plan to bring you along. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for your help that you give us in this life. You speak to us. To help us to do the things you've called us to do. The things we have desires to do. The things that help our body function better. Things that help our mind be clearer. The things that help our soul be more excited. We thank you, Father, for those things that you give us. We want to hear your voice and do what you say to do. We thank you that you speak to us. And we are listening. we prove that we're listening by doing what you say to do. We give you the glory and the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You have some praise reports?
1: I can do it today. Um, Okay, this one actually, Tony gave a praise report. She said that uh, this week's been a very good week. She had some financial blessings take place. And um, she's also doing a Bible study. And she's very thankful for that. this one's from me. I have well, actually, from my son first. We got a call from him yesterday. Thirty-one minutes. Woohoo! I was a happy mama because <laughs> they actually started Hell Week on Tuesday, so I thought we weren't going to get to hear from him until next week. But anyway, and his division got a um, an honor flag for academics. They had a 4.0 average, so he was excited about that. Um, and I was thankful for the ladies' fellowship yesterday. Those of you who weren't there, we had an awesome time talking and just fellowshipping with one another. Um, about where, Just talking about where God's taking us as a church and um, the things he's doing. And also, I thank God that my arm is getting stronger. I told Christian yesterday, I so said, when you see me, I'm going to be able to hug you with this arm. So it will go up whether I have to raise it myself or not, but it will go up. <laughs>